Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Last week, we talked about this thing that's on the wall over here called Search Boldly. And we talked about how that is an essential pursuit for us as a church, that we need to be searching for God and searching boldly, regardless of where our starting point is, whether that's uh, we, we are a follower of Jesus or we don't know about this God thing, but we know something's missing and so we're looking for that, or, or we've been a follower of God for a long time, but we want more of Him. It, it, we need to be searching for God, but we also know that the heart of God is to find the lost, and so we need to be searching for the lost. And so last week we gave you this challenge of, of this cross over here and said that ongoing, that when you feel the Lord put somebody on your heart that you need to be praying for and, and looking for opportunities to share your faith with them, to search for them, to find them, then during our worship time, our worship through song time, then I want you to come up and I want you to take a nail and I want you to pound a nail into the cross over here to represent that person that God has laid on your heart and as a commitment you are making to reaching them and working to find them and to share your faith with them and see them come to know Christ. And we know that that is an essential part of who we are as a church, and that is a primary driver for us. But there is more to this walk of faith. There is more to who we are as a church and what we're supposed to be doing. And you see that also on the wall over here with Connect Honestly. And we, as a church, need to be a church that not only searches boldly, but get connects honestly. And we need to connect honestly first and foremost with God. And there are lots of passages in the Bible about this and about this being a high priority. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. In James 4, in verse 8, it says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in Mark, we have this story. We have this passage where it talks about Jesus. And in Mark 1.35, it says that um, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to, a, to be alone where He it was a high priority for Jesus. It's a high priority for the writers of the New Testament that we would draw close to God, that we would connect honestly with God, that nothing is hidden from God. We don't need to hide anything from God. We can't hide anything from God. And so we need to have an honest, real relationship with God Himself. And there's no point in hiding anything or being dishonest with God because He sees it clearly already. You tracking with me? 
And so that includes things like having a valuable, healthy prayer life, reading the Word of God, spending time in worship and song, spending time in confession and, and sharing those things, those, those things from our past, those things in our daily day, day-to-day life that are weighing us down and confessing those things to God and spending time with Him. And I think... And I may be wrong here, but I think that most of us, if not all of us, can quite easily buy into that. You can agree with that. That we, if we're going to have this walk of faith thing, we have to have an honest connection with God. Everyone convinced of that? I don't, like, I think that's pretty standard. I think that's pretty obvious. I don't know how you could have any kind of... faith journey without the concept of, oh right, God knows everything and so I better be honest with Him. That's, for me, that can be a challenge in the, in the practical side of things, but at least theoretically, I'm convinced. The hard part for me, I think, about connecting honestly is not that we need to have an honest connection with God, but that it also means we need to have an honest connection with other people. I think that's the hang-up for us. Because you are all like everybody else in this room. You are all like me, and you have had moments where your faith in other people has severely been broken. And you can look at other people in this room. You can think about people in your past. You can think about people in your workplace. You can think about people in your family or your old families. And you just go... I just don't trust people. I don't want to be judged by them. I don't want to be rejected by them. I don't want to be betrayed by them. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want my secrets shared. I don't want my guilt and my shame on display for them. And I just don't want to be hurt anymore. And that has been the reality of our relationships up until this point. Not all of them. For some of you, it has been all of them. Your relationships with other people have always been tainted by hurt, by pain, by betrayal, by distrust, by them letting you down, by them taking those secret things and putting them on display. And so I give you this idea of connecting honestly with God, and you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I say, but you also have to be honest and connect honestly with other people, and all you can do is cringe and pull back and go, I don't like that. And I get it. Folks, I get it. Whether... Whether you're a kid or a teenager, a young adult, you're in that midlife crisis stage, 
you consider yourself a senior, it doesn't matter your age range, you have had the experience where trying to connect honestly with people has simply led to hurt. So why is that essential? How can that be so valuable and essential if almost all of them or so many of our, those relationships of those connections have led to that kind of pain? Well, this brings us to John 15. I'm going to read it to you again. John 15, verse 15. Jesus is speaking to His disciples. Jesus is speaking to His disciples. And He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, including Peter, who we know, because we've read the story, we know that when Jesus is taken and he's about to be crucified, and people ask Peter, Is that Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And he denied knowing Jesus three times. Jesus said, I count you as a friend even though he knew that Peter was going to betray him, reject him, deny him. We know that Jesus says this to his disciples, including Judas, who again, by knowing the story, reading ahead in the story, we know that Judas actually goes and gives Jesus up for money, and that is the one that leads to Jesus being crucified. And Jesus knew that about Judas. And He still included him in that circle of disciples and still said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. In the book of Acts, In the book of Acts, chapter 15, there's this situation where these two really great friends, Paul and Barnabas, have an argument. And it says that Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark, with them on their mission trip. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them. That Mark had deserted them on their earlier trip and had not continued with them in the work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and they sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left and commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas, they disagreed and then they separated, but Barnabas was completely convinced that even though Mark, who was with them on a missionary journey and had deserted them, was needed on the journey. We have these two situations that are complicated, painful, full of, full of betrayal and discouragement, 
and also full of commitment to community. What I see when I look at these two examples, and there are more examples in the Bible of this, but what I see in these two examples is that Jesus and the early church were convinced that community was worth the risk. Jesus and the early church were convinced that community was worth the risk. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. And he still said, no, I'm going to share with you what's been shared with me. I'm going to call you a friend. I'm going to take this risk because the community that this is going to build is worth the risk. Barnabas said, no, I'm going to keep Mark. And I know this is going to be hard and it's going to mess up some friendships. It's going to make things messy. But I know that including these people who have in the past betrayed us, the community that this can build is worth the risk. You see in the book of Acts, again, there are more examples in the first four chapters of how these people are coming to know Christ and are being brought into the church and people from different languages and different places and different parts of the world and they're coming to know Him and they're just brought in and there's this incredible risk because you don't know their background, you don't know what they've done, you don't know how they've been transformed, you don't know if they've got things figured out or what they're going to do or how they're going to treat each other. But we see absolutely that Jesus and the early church believed. They were convinced completely that community was worth the risk. The reason for that, I think, is number one, unity with diversity creates a healthy system. Unity with diversity creates a healthy system. Think of your body. Your bodies get different parts. You need different parts in order to be healthy. Number two, that unity built around a common purpose, being Jesus, brings incredible purpose and unity and stability. And lastly, I think they were convinced of that because they were simply filled with the love of God and they loved other people. They knew there was value in diversity. They knew they had a common purpose and they loved other people. Think of your house. Think of your house. Your house is built of all sorts of different materials for different things. Most of you, your homes are built of wood. The outside is built of wood. But if you were to try to build your heating system out of wood, then your house would be well heated once. (laughs) Your electrical system has wires but if you were to try to build your roof out of wires, you would have a roof, but the rest of you would be very wet. You have different materials, 
different things used to create your entire home. And you need those different things to do different things to create a stable house. You need the wires for electricity. You need the wood for the walls. You need metal for your stove and for your heating system. And without those different pieces, you don't have a full home that's fully functional. And if you say it's not worth the risk having different materials working together, coming together, working in the same thing and being part of the same thing, then you're eventually going to miss out or you're going to have issues or you're going to create problems all by itself. And like your home that's built of different things and it is a risk to have a house built of wood and also have a heating system, and also have water and plumbing, and have electricity. It is a risk to have all of those things in there together. But in order to have a complete home, you need those different pieces. At any point, any of those things could fail. At any point, and some of you have seen this, and recently... What happens when your roof fails, or your plumbing fails, or your electricity fails? And it affects your whole house, but it was still worth the risk having those things to begin with, was it not? Yes. Our community, our relationships, this life we have together, it is better with other people. This community is necessary for our stability and for our health. And no one's perfect. Everyone's bringing their baggage. Everyone's bringing their junk. But Jesus and the early church were absolutely convinced that community was worth that risk. And we want community. We want to build a community where we can be accepted, especially in our darkest moments. Where we can make a difference and have a purpose. Where we can know that other people have our backs. Where we are wanted, where we are included, where we have relationships that last, that endure, that are resilient where we can get better and we can grow and grow and grow and we can help others with problems and we can get help with our problems, where we can know that we are not alone in the moments of celebration and the moments of pain, where we as a church can be effective in our mission. That's what we want in our community. And that's what the church is supposed to be. But in order to do that, we need to connect honestly. And that's a risk. But it's worth the risk. And so we, we need to focus on our, our shared goal of sharing Jesus. We need to work together 
We need to be part of small groups. If you're part of a small group, then you need to go to your small group. If you're not part of a small group, then you need to talk to me and get signed up for a small group. You need to confess things that have been going on in your life. You need to share those things with other believers so that you can be supported and encouraged and so you can just have somebody look at you and say, you know what, that's okay. You're forgiven. Christ loves you anyways. You can move on from this. We need to get together outside of the church, not, not just when the church tells you get together outside the church, but you need to be looking across the room and looking at other people and saying, I need to connect with them. I need to get to know them. I want to have them over for lunch. I want to go for coffee with them. I want to see what if they want to go to a hockey game together. We need to connect with each other. We need to invite other people over to our homes. We need to invite ourselves over to their homes. We need to welcome people into our lives. We need to risk sharing and risk sharing a need. And we need to be a people who are generous. We need to look around the room and we need to connect with each other. I know it can be scary I know there's been a lot of hurt. But community is worth the risk. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Mm-hmm.